Chapter Eleven of the Sealed Message by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven, the other girl. During the next three days, Gerald found ample time to reflect upon the strange circumstances which environed him. Anxious to see the major and place affairs on a proper basis, he called thrice at his rooms. On the first occasion, he learned that Reb had not returned to London on the second it appeared that he had come back but was absent visiting mrs crosby while on the final occasion haskins was told by the mild-looking valet that his master had gone again to devonshire and would not return for at least a week he had left no message said the man from this circumstance gerald inferred that reb was afraid of the interview it then struck him and very naturally that as the major during his hurried stay in town had called upon mrs crosby the widow had broken her promise if this was the case reb had been placed on his guard and so not only avoided haskins but had gone back to the pixie's house to make arrangements for thwarting the young man's curiosity gerald therefore paid a visit to lady smith court only to learn that the widow and her mother had departed for bognor on a month's holiday it was thus apparent that in these two quarters gerald could do nothing for the moment and indeed the more haskins thought about the matters the more difficult did it appear to set them straight if he saw reb and the major held to the story of his ward's madness as he assuredly would gerald felt that for some time at all events he could do nothing of course if his theory about the will proved to be correct and if he could be certain that reb was shutting up mavis in order to enjoy an income which should rightfully be hers then he could take steps to have the matter inquired into to make any beginning at all it was necessary to see todd macandrew so gerald determined to look him up just as he did so the morning post brought a sunday supper invitation from mrs palamoden this was what todd would have called a coincidence but gerald believing that nothing happened by chance saw in the incident a sign pointing to the path he should tread directed by the unseen powers who were he believed about to unravel the mystery he had not to see reb or mrs crosby immediately nor had he to proceed at once to denley his duty was to visit mrs pelham odin's flat and learn what he could about charity bird if she was related in any way to mavis durham and the marvellous likeness between the two girls hinted as much he might learn from the old actress sufficient of her adopted daughter's past to give him a clue to the intrigues of major reb it will be seen that gerald had not proceeded to inquire into the mystery of the coral hand or bellaria's fear of the same he could have learned somewhat about the matter of the trinket by seeing signor venosta who according to mrs birch had given the amulet to the widow but gerald did not know where venosta lived and could not make inquiries for mrs crosby without her wanting to know his reasons moreover he desired to solve the mystery of mavis and of her detention before searching into bellaria's past certainly he had a shrewd idea that mavis's detention and bellaria's dread and major reb's behaviour and mrs crosby's possession of the coral hand were all of a piece but these were like the separate parts of a puzzle and he could not fit them together there was nothing for it but to see if he could find a clue into the labyrinth when visiting mrs palamoden he therefore dressed himself with great care and proceeded in a hansom to bloomsbury where the old actress dwelt her abode was scarcely a flat in the accepted sense of the word but rather a collection of rooms on the first floor of a fine old georgian mansion on caroline street a retired butler and his wife who had been a cook owned the house and attended to the various people who dwelt therein mrs pelham odin was thus spared the trouble of domestic details 
for which as she said herself she had no head and was very comfortably placed at a moderate charge with the obstinacy of old age she called her abode my flat and no argument could persuade her that the name was wrongly applied haskins entered the large square room with a painted ceiling which was mrs pelamodin's drawing-room adjoining was the dining-room equally spacious while the two bedrooms occupied by the old lady and her adopted daughter were across the landing the room looked pretty and picturesque as mrs pelamodin had great taste and did not cram her apartments with furniture or indulge in a multiplicity of patterns on carpet or walls or on the upholstery of the chairs a great quantity of flowers adorned her room deftly arranged by charity and it was lighted with rose-shaded lamps on tall wrought-iron pedestals on entering the door from the staircase three narrow windows could be seen opposite opening on to a small balcony but as the night was a trifle cold these were closed and the yellow curtains were drawn the room looked comfortable and mrs pelamodin was the most comfortable person in it she fitted the apartment as a hermit crab fits its shell the actress with a great sense of the fitness of things had grown old gracefully that is she had not resorted to dye and paint to improve her waning looks she was a small woman and very stout but her dignity was tremendous in a black velvet gown trimmed with lace that might or might not have been priceless with her silvery hair worn in the regal style of marie antoinette with a somewhat massive set of features irradiated by a gracious smile mrs pelamodin received her guest as a queen might have done from a long experience in playing aristocratic old dames in comedy and imperious heroines in tragedy dignity had become a second nature to the clever old actress it is said that gibbon was so long in writing the decline and fall that he ended in believing himself to be the roman empire in a like manner mrs pallamodon believed herself to be the marchioness in caste or helen macgregor or volumnia perhaps a mixture of the three she certainly was tremendously dignified and no stage manager ever dared to take a liberty with her she still appeared on the boards when she found a part worthy of her grandiose style i am glad to see you mr haskins said mrs pallamodon apparently suppressing an inclination to use the royal we and preferred her hand to be shaken or kissed as the visitor preferred gerald having something to gain from a little timely flattery kissed the jewelled fingers he knew that this old-world attention appealed to mrs pallamodon as nothing else did you are looking like yourself he said politely i can pay you no higher compliment mrs pallamodon laughed her celebrated silvery laugh which critics always mentioned and took the stage that is she walked the length of the drawing-room ever a courtier mr haskins where did you living in this present generation of hurry learn such versailles manners from the queen of the english stage madam from me mrs pelham odin fell into her famous startled fawn attitude also much noticed by critics oh no no i am but a humble survivor of the past and you have survived to show us what grace and dignity once existed the old actress fluttered her fan with a gracious smile and bowed her head to the compliment neither grace nor dignity are necessary in this age of motor-cars she said sighing however we must take things as they are and be cheerful you don't ask for charity i am much taken up with you at present madam ah you irishman with your blarney 
well charity is in the dining-room with mr macandrew she is showing him some new photographs of herself so will not be here for a few minutes which is just as well why asked gerald taking the seat she indicated mrs palamoden throned herself queen-like on a sofa what do you think of mr macandrew she asked abruptly he is the best fellow in the world replied haskins promptly for he guessed why she asked the question and was willing to act as todd's trumpeter also he is very clever and some day will be wealthy charity wants to marry him and he wants to marry charity my dear lady i knew that years ago mrs pelham odin nodded of course it is stale news all the same i asked you here to chat over the matter hitherto i have set my face against such a marriage as the match is not a good one for my girl gerald dissented if miss bird marries macandrew she is a lucky young lady to my mind he is of good family he is clever he has a good profession and he is an honest man certainly he has no money but that's just it interrupted the other he has come in lately for a legacy of two thousand pounds that is something but not much still charity is so bent upon this marriage that if you can really swear to all you say about mr macandrew i am willing to consent i certainly should do so come mrs palamoden don't part two hearts in this cruel way let your daughter marry macandrew the actress sighed i think i shall have to she said after a pause circumstances and charity's will are too strong for me it shall be as you say and she held out her hand haskins kissed it again i am sure that you will have no cause to regret having taken my advice i hope not mr haskins and after all this may be one of those marriages which are said to be made in heaven but mr macandrew wants to marry charity at once and she has yet to fulfil one month's engagement at the belver theatre macandrew can wait for one month surely he must charity cannot break her engagement without paying forfeit and the managers will be sorry to lose her certainly she has only one dance in the moon fay but she is a great favourite with the public and when she retires from the stage she will be greatly missed i assure you mr haskins that charity is giving up a very brilliant career to become the wife of an obscure solicitor macandrew will not always be obscure he will rise high in his profession and will make plenty of money of course lady euphemia is against the marriage what of that macandrew is the chief person to be considered mrs palamoden did not pay very strict attention to this speech her eyes were on the polished floor and she was thinking deeply i can guess why lady euphemia macandrew disapproves she said hesitatingly my girl is a dancer for one thing and she is also a waif haskins looked up suddenly mrs palamoden was touching on the very point which he wished to discuss you told macandrew something about that he remarked eagerly yes because i wished mr macandrew to know exactly what he was doing and to tell you the truth mr haskins as i did not wish the marriage to take place i thought that the discovery of charity's birth might put him off since he is well born himself love laughs at rank said gerald i thought you knew nothing of miss bird's birth 
nor do i save that i bought her from a native woman in calcutta for a small sum it sounds quite like uncle tom's cabin doesn't it and mrs palamoden laughed again in her silvery manner didn't the woman tell you where she got the child no that is she explained that she had taken over the child from anaya at simla charity was pretty and i was sorry to see a european child with a juggler and his wife so i took her with me and have brought her up as my own daughter although i did not give her my name do you ever hope to learn about her parents no that is impossible i fear it is quite fifteen or sixteen years since i took possession of her the native woman and the ayah may be dead quite a romance isn't it i can tell you something even more romantic said gerald if you will promise to hold your tongue how delightfully mysterious you are cried mrs pelham in her lively comedy manner i promise of course well haskins thereupon and without further preamble detailed the history of his love affair and commented strongly on the wonderful likeness which existed between the two girls mrs palamoden interrupted him with little cries of astonishment but gave no opinion until he finished his recital what do you think of it asked haskins it is like a play like a melodrama but of course there are casual resemblances such as you describe this is more than a casual resemblance interrupted gerald quickly the two girls might be twins oh what a pity that charity is leaving the stage said mrs palamoden her theatrical instinct uppermost a comedy with twin girls in it would draw all the town and that gives me an idea i can assist you if you can swear she laid her hand on his arm that this mavis durham is not crazy i can swear certainly would i wish to marry her if she were love may laugh at lunatic asylums as well as at rank said the actress merrily but if you are certain that the girl is sane why not let her take charity's place in the moon fay haskins started to his feet are you serious of course i am you want to run away with this girl if you do major rebb i know him and a nasty man he is will follow you and make himself unpleasant what you want to do is to conceal the girl somewhere until you can prove that her guardian is shutting her up illegally well then major rebb must know of the wonderful resemblance of charity to mavis if charity marries mr macandrew quietly she can go with him to switzerland for a month's honeymoon and even longer i can teach mavis the one dance which charity performs in the ballet at the belver theatre and she can take my girl's place but the theatre people will guess oh dear me no rejoined mrs pelham odin promptly i always go to the belver myself to look after charity she scarcely speaks to a soul my dear mr haskins i can take your mavis there and back without any one being the wiser if the resemblance is as you say gerald caressed his chin it certainly is an excellent idea he murmured major rebb not knowing of miss bird's marriage would not suspect the substitution thank you mrs palamoden i shall think over the matter i go down to devonshire next week or rather this week i know the actress nodded one always does get mixed up about sunday being the first day of the week well then go down and make what arrangements you like 
if you run away with the girl and i quite think you should if only to spite major ebb whom i detest you cannot conceal her better than in the way i suggest it is quite a variation of poe's purloined letter the scheme is so daring that it must succeed but hush she made a dramatic pause and raised her finger here comes romeo and juliet not a word before haskins could reply charity entered from the dining-room with todd at her heels and gerald could not help starting when he saw how wonderfully she resembled the girl shut up in the pixie's house she had the same figure the same colouring the same graceful way of walking only in the manner of speaking and in the personality was there a difference and that would not be noticed by a casual spectator charity was more worldly more material and as gerald thought less lovable but then he was prejudiced in favour of the young lady whom he wished to marry todd's opinion would have been quite the reverse how are you mr haskins said charity offering her hand calmly you have not been to see us for years and years all the same i have been hearing about you replied gerald glancing at todd who nodded gaily i have to offer my congratulations well said charity slowly and looking at mrs palamoden i am not so sure of that my mother doesn't yes she does interposed the actress quickly and took the girl's hand in her own mr macandrew i bestow upon you a priceless treasure and joining the hands of the two lovers she sank back on the sofa with a tiny lace handkerchief to her eyes it was very neatly done and only needed limelight and applause to form an effective curtain oh cried todd clasping charity's hand convulsively do you mean to say that we can marry now that you have enough to keep the wolf from the door i do my dear mr macandrew or shall i say james since you are to be my adopted son-in-law not james call me todd that is the scottish for fox and you are not foxy never mind mother cried charity whose eyes were dancing with delight the name of todd suits him and toddy is the name of a scottish drink come now come now protested todd when i am so sober you ought to be drunk with happiness said haskins laughing perhaps the poor dear needs food said mrs palamoden leading the way to the dining-room let us see what the cook has done in the way of supper my marriage feast giggled todd taking his seat you'll be best man of course jerry we can talk of these things later said mrs pelham odin hurriedly in consequence of my age i think the marriage will have to be a very quiet one yes nodded charity i don't want lady euphemia to forbid the bands as if she could cried macandrew in the highest spirits it was a very merry supper and mrs pelham odin drank the health of the future bride and bridegroom in foaming champagne also she winked in rather an undignified way at gerald to intimate that she included himself and mavis in the toast then she related various stage experiences connected with her own marriage and eulogized the late mr palamoden he is an angel now said the widow and wept until gerald made her laugh again End of chapter eleven